Good morning and welcome to West Seattle Christian Church. If you are new, welcome. If not, welcome back. Uh, we are going to jump right into our series that we have called Unqualified. And uh, today we're going to tackle the person of Peter, uh, one of Jesus's 12 disciples. Really, what this series is all about is uh, God encountering where you are today, uh, right now. He is dealing with you, and then he is um, taking you to a new place, changing your life, and uh, asking you to become who he wants you to become in the future. So many of you know about Peter's life, maybe some of you don't, but what we're going to do today is kind of just do a general overview uh, of Peter's uh, life and then talk about some implications that we can glean from that. Okay, so the very first time that we meet Peter in the story that is presented in the Gospels, he is doing what he does best. He is fishing. He is out on the boat with his brother Andrew and uh, they are casting their nets. This is my net that I use when I fly fish. Um, their net was quite a bit bigger. Anyway, um, Jesus comes along in this story, and it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 20, and he does he says something that's just, to us, sounds really, really strange. He addresses Peter, and he just says, Come, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Now, Peter would have known that Jesus was a rabbi, and he, he also would have known, I mean, this sounds weird to you and me, these Jewish men, though, are speaking kind of a coded language. And what Jesus was truly saying is, I want you to be one of my disciples. Okay, and so this would have been, this would have been a really huge privilege. Uh, Peter and Andrew would have picked up, they would have picked up this coded language. Their ears would have perked up. They would have been like, what? Uh, because Typically, if you are their age and you are a fisherman doing your trade, then you've kind of missed, you've missed the, the mark in becoming a student of a rabbi at this point. And so when Jesus asks Peter to follow him in this coded language to be one of his disciples, um, it would have been a really, really big deal to be asked. And so that makes it a little bit, makes more sense of what happens in that passage because it says that Peter immediately, he immediately drops his net. And he's like, hey, I'm going to follow this guy. And he would have known what it meant to follow a rabbi. Everybody in that culture did. And there's three things uh, that I want to make really clear of what it meant to be following a rabbi back then. Number one, you had to be with the rabbi. Number two, you were with the rabbi to become like the rabbi. And number three, you were doing those things so that you could do what the rabbi did. So when Jesus says, come follow me, he's asking Peter these three questions. Not only will you become my disciple, it's embedded in the question, are you gonna be with me? Are you gonna become like me? And are you gonna do, are you gonna do the things that I do? Now, I actually don't think that Peter knew what he was getting into. And let's face it, if you've accepted Jesus, Maybe more often than not, for a lot of our experiences, when you made that decision to follow Jesus, even though maybe some things were explained to you, and unfortunately, maybe for some of you, some things weren't explained to you, um, either way, we probably didn't know what we were getting into, this life of following Jesus. So Peter was asked to do this. Jesus comes along and Peter, and Peter has to have a, 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 an answer to this, and he said yes. So 
in this series uh, about being unqualified, um, if you're still in doubt after hearing about all of these people that we've talked about throughout the whole series about whether or not you are qualified to follow Jesus, I want you to really pay attention to this story about Peter, uh, this overview. Jesus chose his disciples, the closest people to him, people who were not considered the best in their class, maybe even they weren't even adequate at what they were called to do, and Jesus still invites them to follow him. The thing to grasp here is that Jesus is asking us, he's inviting us to follow him too. And that does not mean that we have to be perfect. Thank goodness. In fact, if we're being honest, we all get it really wrong all of the time. And the people that chose to follow him were people who got things seriously wrong as well all the time. But he still chose them to follow him anyway. This shows me something that I keep having to revisit in my own life just over and over again. Jesus takes people where they're at, as they are, and he says, you can do what I do. You can be like me, which is really humbling and also really awesome at the same time. He, what he doesn't tell them is he, he doesn't say, before you can follow me, you have to get everything straightened out. You have to get everything figured out. You need to be fixed. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, you can do it. And that's what Jesus is continuing to do today. He is calling us right, he's calling us from right where we're at in our life, whatever our situation is, however we are composed and put together in all of our life experiences, he is, he is calling you. And if you feel like he's calling you today, or he's calling you to do something specific today, maybe he's calling you for the first time to follow him and give your life to him and get baptized and then start that journey. Um, or maybe he's calling you to do something specific, take some s s uh, specific sort of action in your life. Um, here's the deal. To do, to, to do those things, you don't need to clean yourself up first. You don't need to get everything fixed. You just need to say yes. So back to Peter. So after Peter said yes to Jesus, he tries to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus so he can do the things that Jesus did for the reasons that Jesus did them. That is what discipleship is. Um, I want to put something on the screen for you. Now, there's much more than this uh, in this picture, but this gives you an idea. For three and a half years, Peter was always with Jesus. So he got to see Jesus. Uh, he sees Jesus forgive people's sins. He sees people being healed. Jesus washed Peter's and the other disciples' feet. He also became like Jesus. And this means trying and failing. He gets things right, and he also gets a lot of things wrong. At times, he was full of curiosity and faith. I mean, because of his faith, he's the second and final person to ever walk on water, as far as I know. Uh, but also, he, he began to sink after that happened because he was afraid. In fact, I think there are probably more times than we know uh, about times that aren't written down in Scripture, where Peter and Jesus' Jesus's other disciples and followers were very much afraid because of the way Jesus was living and the lifestyle that he was calling them to, the way of life with the patterns and habits that he had. It, it, it made them fearful because it was like nothing they had ever done. It was living life to the fullest in the face of oppressive regimes and all kinds of stuff going on. 
Peter also had a lot of insight and wisdom, recognizing and saying out loud before any other person in the scriptures. He says, Jesus, you are the Messiah. But then he would turn around and say, Jesus, I don't think you should suffer. I got a better plan. Like, that's not for you. you don't, you're not going to be killed. And of course, Jesus rebukes him for that. But also on this graphic, we see that Peter also did the things that Jesus did. He shared the gospel. He had courage many times as well. In fact, it only seems, it seems that, that with each wrong decision, and, and, and when Peter went in the wrong direction, and whenever he failed, he ended up, after that, growing in courage each time. He served people. people Peter did truly get, I think, what it meant to be a disciple of Rabbi Jesus. So after these three and a half years of following Jesus, Jesus is tried and wrongly convicted, and he's put to death, and Peter does not know what to do. And we know that three days later, of course, Jesus rises from the dead, and then he spends more time with his disciples, and they are being with him still, and they are becoming like him still, and they are learning to do the things that he did. And then Jesus ascends to be with God. And at this point, if Peter didn't know it before, if he really didn't know it before, he knew at this point that he was not only following his rabbi, but that he was following the Messiah the savior of the world, the, the only one who could bring true freedom to everyone. And we definitely, we definitely see a different Peter after that. Jesus promised that he would give the disciples the Holy Spirit. So this is what we see Peter doing after, after Jesus had ascended. After Jesus is physically gone, we still see Peter doing those three things. He is still with Jesus. He is still becoming like him, and he's still doing the things that Jesus did. But it was a bit different because Jesus wasn't physically with him. Peter is with Jesus. He prays and he practices the presence of Jesus. He studies scripture. He becomes like Jesus. He was the one who was still full of faith and love and generosity. And he also did the things that Jesus did. We see Peter who was, you, you can read all of these stories in the book of Acts. We see Peter who was once way too scared to say that he knew Jesus, we see him then preach to thousands of people about Jesus. So along with Paul, we also see Peter as the one who says to those who weren't Jews, those who weren't allowed to be a part of this, he says, no, you all get to be a part of this now. Radically inclusive. He saw people come back to life. He healed people. He was imprisoned. And he never denied Jesus again. And what we see ultimately is that he gives his life up. He is killed and crucified just like Jesus. This guy was amazing. And the best part of it is that he was, he was just like us. He was just like you. He was just like me. He got things wrong all the time. Yeah, day in and day out. But he knew what it meant to follow Jesus, to be with him, to become like him, and to do the things that he did. So doing this big overview has really challenged me in a, in a few ways. And I just want to share two of those things with you today. Um, two implications, if you will. The first implication from doing this overview of Peter's life is The Power of Habit, which by the way is a, the name of a really good book I read this last year. It's not a Christian book. It's just really powerful about habits. Um, uh, I read two books this last year, one called The Power of Habit, and then there's kind of a follow-up by a different author that kind of drills down more deeply called Atomic Habits. And I think you can get... Uh, the Power of Habit on Libby, which is a free app for your mobile device. Um, uh, the other one you might have to buy, but I highly recommend both of them because it talks about 
how you build habits into your daily life. And I'm really interested in that because um, when, when I'm talking about the power of habit, Peter knew what it meant to follow his rabbi, that he needed to be with him, that he needed to be like him, that he needed to do the things that Jesus did. So Peter's life of following Jesus for that three and a half year long period and a little bit more, it was his life was consumed by habits that helped him to be able to do those three things. Have you ever noticed that, for me, this happens every single day. Maybe, maybe it's the same for you, but I've noticed how easily it is, how, how easy it is for me to be shaped by things, by outside forces, by people, by ideas, uh, by conversations, by social media. I, it, I feel like sometimes when I look back on my day, when I put my head on my pillow at the end of the day and I'm thinking about what happened that day, I'm sitting there and I'm going, what the heck? Why, why did I let that one thing become, that happened today become so important that it, like, it shaped my whole day? Um, why did I do that? It's like, it's like I can be shaped by all these things in the day, and it feels like that sometimes. Um, maybe that resonates with you. The thing is, whether you like it or not, you are going to be discipled by someone or something throughout the day, throughout your life, every week, week in, week out, something is discipling you. Um, it makes me think about, Beth and I have been watching the, uh, the new Netflix series called Cobra Kai, um, which is like a walk now memory lane for us. It makes me think about the original, it's, it's all about the Karate Kid characters from the 80s movie, all grown up now, and, and it's about their kids and the interactions that are going on there. But it makes me think about the original Karate Kid movie. You've got Daniel LaRusso, with Mr. Miyagi as his sensei, and you've got Johnny with Sensei Kreese, the bad guy. And if you're with Mr. Miyagi, like Daniel LaRusso, you are going to learn wax on and wax off all these habitual practices that help strengthen his ability to perform the type of karate Mr. Miyagi wants him to perform. He is being shaped and honed by habits and, and, and practices that help him to do karate with honor. On the other hand, you've got Johnny who is being shaped and formed by Sensei Kreese who says strike first, strike hard, and no mercy. Which basically in the end, what, what we see flesh out in the movie is that he has no honor. You're fighting without honor. And so the point is, the point is you're going to be discipled. You're going to be discipled in this life by something or someone, whether you like it or not. And the question is, into whose likeness and toward whose kingdom are you going to be shaped? Into whose likeness, into whose kingdom are you going to be shaped? Because if you're a Christian, you're not just called to have a belief in God. You're called to follow God. And that means those three things we've been talking about. And then underlying those three things are habitual practices, habits that form you and shape you. It does not stop with saying, with us saying, yes, I believe in God. That, that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's when, when you get baptized, that's just the starting line. That's just stepping up to, to join the race when you say, I believe. Then there's the hard work and the training that comes after that. And that's what we see Peter doing as he lives his life with Jesus. When we become a Christian, it's like we have this current running through us continually that means our life has new purpose, to love God, to love others, even your enemies, to make disciples, 
to build God's kingdom right here, right now, as it is in heaven. That is actually a very super exciting thing. We get to follow him. And we're called, therefore, to be apprentices of Jesus, to learn his craft, to be shaped by him. And so I think Peter shows us how important this is in his life. He shows us that we need to be really focused about seeking to curate our hearts to be attentive and intentional about what we love. Because actually what we love, what you and I love, it directs our lives. Have you ever noticed that? Um, if I spend all my day loving money, then that then my life becomes very much about that. What we love, if, if, if we love our family, our lives are gonna be directed towards um, looking after our family and building them up and creating moments that are special and intentional and uh, life-changing with them. On the opposite side of that, misdirected love leads to misdirected lives. And I think Peter showed us this. He loved Jesus. He gave up everything to follow him. He devoted his life to him, even to the point of giving up his life for him in the end. And that's really important because the habits of our lives shape the desires of our lives, which then in turn shape the direction of our lives. Our habits shape what we love. They shape what we do. So as Christians, we have to contend, which means to fight. We have to contend for habits, habits that help us love God, habits that help us to be a follower of Jesus. And I think the example of Peter tells us, really, look at your lives, look, look at your lives, look at your habits, look at your patterns, and contend for ways of living that direct us toward Jesus and his kingdom. What are those habits? Habits of being with Jesus, habits of becoming like Jesus, habits of doing the things that Jesus did for the reasons that he did them. There are lots of really practical things that you and I can do as the church along these lines. If this is what being an apprentice of Jesus is, being with him and being like him and doing those things, how do I actually do that in my life? So let me just share uh, three really simple ideas with you. Number one, set aside some time to actually read your Bible. Uh, in our life, in the life of our family, Beth and I decided a few months ago that we were going to really concentrate on this as a family, um, especially in lieu of COVID and uh, not being able to go to uh, the church building, and uh, especially for our kids, not being able to really put them in, um, you know, Sunday school or anything like that. So, um, when, that, when those things happen, you're presented with an opportunity. And basically, we decided as a family, we're going to make a habit of every day after dinner, uh, we put all the dishes in the kitchen and then we go to the living room, we sit down and we read together a chapter from the Bible and then we just discuss it. I mean, that's not hard to do. We just sit down, we open up the Bible, um, sometimes the kids read it, sometimes we read it, and then we just discuss it. We ask if, if, if our kids have any questions. This usually leads to some really excellent conversations, some good time. And we don't make it a long, drawn-out thing. And um, we don't, you know, I'm a pastor, but we don't do it like I'm an expert. We just let the kids get, kind of guide the conversation. And whether you have kids or not, you can do that. Just open up your Bible and read a chapter and ask yourself, what does this mean for me? What is God saying to me? 
And what am I going to do about it when I know what, he, what he's saying to me? Second, just look at your calendar. So first was look at, you know, get into your Bible. Second is look at your calendar and the things that you engage in week in and week out and ask yourself, where are the times that I can invite Jesus into my life? Where, can I make some space for him to have a conversation with him? Maybe to read my Bible with him or to pray with him or just to listen and be aware of myself. Maybe, maybe there's times in, when you look at your calendar, you're like, these times in my life, like there's some high points of agitation. Maybe it's work and I have this person at work or this place at work or this situation. I have a meeting every week in work that I really hate. <laughs> and maybe you can look at that as a time where you can invite Jesus into that space with you to come into those moments with you um, and, 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 and have him be in those spaces. And last, maybe, maybe this is with your spouse or a good friend. Um, try to be more honest about where in your life you are not like Jesus. And that's probably the most scary one, but also it, it is very simple. Someone who you trust, you get together with them and you talk about those, those things so that you can do that and talk about Jesus in your life together with someone else. You're not alone. And try to be creative. I just I want to remind you that Peter shows us that to be like Jesus is about this. Uh, it takes some intentionality because we're going to be shaped by something, whether we approach it with purpose or not. And, and the key is approach it with purpose. Don't just leave it for later. Don't just say, oh, this is going to happen if I just listen to a message once a week or when I feel like it, when things get bad, I might pay more attention um, to God in my life. Be purposeful. Be intentional. So that's the first thing that we've covered here. The first implication is the, the power of habits in our life um, that Peter points us to. And the second thing is that we need the Holy Spirit. I love how Peter receives the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. He's still the same Peter. Um, read the first four chapters of Acts and, and get that story into your head and into your heart. He's still the same Peter after the Spirit of, of Jesus comes, but something has changed. Something is new. Something is fresh in his life. There is a power inside of him that is just expressing itself through him. And it's at this point that, that Peter, who denied Jesus, who wouldn't speak out for Jesus, who was, essentially seems a little bit timid um, when it comes to dealing with those outside of the group of followers of Jesus. And here he is after the Spirit comes and, and is living within him, standing up in front of crowds of thousands and telling them about Jesus without fear. And when Jesus left, he promised us, the church, that he would send a helper, the Holy Spirit. And the point here is this. As much as I sometimes think that I can do it on my own, it just doesn't happen that way. The Jesus-shaped way of life can't happen in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need the power and the presence of Jesus within us. If we want to see renewal in our lives, if we want to see renewal in the lives of our families, in the lives of our church, in the lives of West Seattle, families in our city, in Seattle, we need the Spirit to move in us. We need to ask the Spirit to move in us. I love how in Scripture we see time and time and time again how the Holy Spirit produces this power in God's people, in us. So I want to encourage you to carve out time in your day, in your week, to be in the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Make some time. Prepare a place. 
prepare a time and do this. Go to some place where you won't be interrupted and ask God to give you his Holy Spirit. Don't just, uh, I mean, once we're baptized, yes, the Spirit's with us, but ask him to empower you and have his Spirit live within you to accomplish these things so that you can be connected with him and have these habits that we need. We need the Holy Spirit's power in us. If we're going to live this Jesus-shaped life, and we can't do it by ourselves. So if you are a follower of Jesus, or if you're not, and you don't know if you have this power within you, and you don't know how to do that or ask that, I really encourage you to come to our prayer gathering on Zoom uh, next Sunday, November 1st. Just sign up for that on our blog. There's a post on there. Just sign up for that, and we'll email you the link, and you can come to that, that prayer time. And that's exactly what we're going to pray for that week. That's the perfect way to, to end our time together. I invite all of you to come to that prayer meeting. and We will pray together. I will lead you in prayer together on Sunday morning, on November 1st, and we will pray for the Holy Spirit to empower us to have these habits that underlay that framework of being with Jesus, to become like Jesus, so that we can do the things that Jesus did for the reasons that he did them. Amen.